And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Welcome to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here for Financial Fitness Friday. Unfortunately, Richard Rosso is out today, so no Nana Rosso here. But I do have John Penn. Morning, we'll, everybody. We'll see what kind of voices. What, what voices did you bring with you today? we got to fill a, a I don't void know. He's, here. Rich is so much better at impersonating voices than I am. I'm just, I'm just going to be the old dad in the room, I think. The old dad in the room? Old Great. There's the going to be two of us. Yeah. Fantastic. Two old dads in the room. Well, another volatile week with markets. Last two days, we've seen our last three days have been rather rather volatile after a week, really good week the prior week. Actually raced all of the losses that we saw in May. So we're back to that volatility, seeing lots of things going on. Today, biggest expectations are non-farm payrolls, unemployment rate going to be a key number here. Non-farm payrolls are expecting 100000 less than uh, last last month. So the market is really watching us at the moment. We're down just a quite a just a bit here with futures, but relatively flat. We'll see where this ends up going. The interesting thing will be, as we've talked about before, is good news bad news? Is bad news good news? Right. Or is good actually good? Who knows? And so I think the market's trying to digest so much information. And here we are with yields once again popping back up. 10 years at about 2.92 at the moment. Um, you know, I think that's anybody's guess on where that finishes up for the day. And speaking of that, look, I know it's really easy to, to get really in tune to what's happening, you know, day to day to day to day. It actually probably hour by hour and minute by minute. And, you know, I think we need to all take a step back sometimes and take some of these things with a grain of salt because, you know, we are beginning to see where markets are having those bigger swings, you know, intraday where we can be up several hundred points and then down and then back up. And it's so easy to get emotional. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today on some of the things that you guys should be considering on how to invest. You know, what is that actual discipline? Uh, we have a lot to get in today. You know, is now a good time for a Roth conversion? Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about faux financial plans. What are those? And I think we see that all over the place. But, you know, getting back to jobs, Elon Musk actually just came out and says he has a super bad feeling about the economy and that Tesla and their subsidiaries are likely going to have to cut 10% of its workforce. So they've stopped all hiring. And this has been something that we've been really trying to stay in tune with here at Real Investment Advice is that what does that mean? And, and what does this look, how does this look different than most other times when we get into a very volatile environment, we see a potential recession on the horizon if we're not maybe already in one. And, and usually a lot of times, some of the leading indicators can be jobs. Good. Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen that because... There are two job openings for every unemployed out there right now. And so when we take a step back and think about all the dynamics and the shifts that have changed here as of recently, especially when we think of, you know, how the pandemic changed the whole job environment. And you have people working from home. You have people who decided, hey, take this job and shove it. I'm not doing this any longer. Um, John, what are you seeing you know, I know you talk to you're on the front lines. You're mm -hmm. talking to people each and every day. Do you see a big difference right now than you know past 
environments that you've been through or recessions? Yeah, it, it seems that, uh, one, folks are just very thankful for, for the jobs that they have. And they're, they're also, you know, it's, it's just a different mindset right now, too, because it used to be that everybody had to go to the office environment, and now more folks are still working from home. And, and they like that hybrid approach. Um, but it just seems that now, too, that employers, you know, they've, really, they've got really well-seasoned employees, and they don't want to see them leave either, because if that person leaves, it's hard for them to find somebody that's qualified from, from a replacement standpoint, too. So that's a real challenge. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And so that's one of the things that we are seeing where they're trying to hold on as long as they can. So maybe those jobs numbers aren't uh, that bigger indicator as they've historically been. And that's one thing that it's going to be tough to watch and gauge over time to really get a better understanding as far as what that means to the overall economic picture. But, you know, speaking of people who don't need to worry about a job. So LeBron James <laughs> is now the first NBA player, active NBA player, excuse me, who's an actual billionaire. And, you know, I know everybody has different feelings about all these different guys. And you know what, though? I think it's pretty remarkable. It's probably a pretty cool thing. The only other two guys, and John, I know, I think you like basketball a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Good old MJ. Yeah, there it is. But they did not achieve it while they were playing. And I don't know how many years LeBron James is in the league. What is it, like 20? It's been quite some time. But anyways, rather interesting uh, feat, I think. The guy made $121 million just last year. That's incredible. That's pretty neat. That's pretty good. You know, what's great, well, you know, you hear so many times stories about professional athletes that have these incredible successful careers. And then after they retire two two to three, maybe four or five years later, you know, they don't, they don't have a penny to their name. It's like, well, what, what happened? You know, what, what, where, where did you spend all that money on? Or, you know, and so I'm glad to at least see there's there's a success story there, and that uh, sounds like LeBron set up pretty well. Yeah, no, absolutely. In, in my younger years, I, I worked with a handful of um, you know entertainers, athletes, and they can make some of the worst clients because they, they have just enormous amounts of money mm-hmm. coming in, and they think it's always going to be the case. And unfortunately for many, that's not. Uh, and you know, you see the horrible stories about like MC Hammer. Anybody remember that the Hammer Pants? Um, you know, those See, now this is the old dad in the room talk right here with, with MC Hammer. But yeah, I know who MC Hammer is. I love it. Okay. So did you have some of those pants? I still have some of those pants. Oh, I almost wore them today. Dang. That would have been great, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're not checking out, you want to see John Penn, go uh, to the YouTube channel. We'd love to yeah. see you there. Also, you have comments, questions. Uh, love to take them there. Realinvestmentadvice.com as well. But you can see John in his MC Hammer pants next time when he comes back. I'll wear them. You'll wear them perfect. And I know another thing today, you know, that's near and dear, you know, Brent was a little bit upset. So we were on that hybrid model here. And, you know, I think we're the only guys in the building. And there's nobody here to get donuts. It is National Donut Day. Can we do like a Grubhub run? Sure. I think I think that makes Connie's sense. Connie's down the hall. We could just get him to spring for it. Man, you As would the have benevolent some... leader that he is. I'm afraid, Connie, I love you, but it'd probably be like cardboard donuts. It'd be faux donuts. Faux for donuts. For faux financial plans. That's some right. Faux donuts. That's I feel right. bad. I dropped the ball and not getting donuts. Yeah. Well, well right. I, I didn't get it either. Yeah. The morning is young. Is but true. you can get a free donut if you go to, if you're here in Houston, Shipley's Donuts is offering a, a free signature glazed donut with any purchase at any of its 330 locations. So 5 a.m. to noon, guys, go get you a free donut. <laughs> can we charge them for that commercial? Man, we should. That was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I will say every once in a while, a glazed donut just hot out of the oven, 
We'll treat you right. Now you're now you're being mean. That will it'll just it'll just treat you right. Man, Shipley's. So if you guys aren't from Houston, Shipley's is a, a local donut chain. And you know, I think most of you guys who've listened to the show know we all pre- eat pretty healthy. In fact, I think every time <laughs> Richard has a donut, he puts like a hundred dollars into an account yeah. just because he's like, I'm gonna pay for it later, literally. <laughs> but um they're, Sh- they're Shipley's is the glazed. Texas version of Tim Horton. Oh, don't don't give Tim Horton that, that recognition. I'm just you can even, I mean, you can even put a scoop of vanilla, blue bean, uh, bluebell vanilla ice cream on that. Ooh. Ooh. That Sorry. would be pretty good. Didn't mean to go there. Couldn't help it. Hey, so I know York has been sending Lance peppermint patties. Shipley's, you're up. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, we're, we have a lot to get into, get back on the, uh, the schedule here with uh, some different topics. So we're going to be talking a lot about financial planning, markets, what that means to you and your money. You listen to The Real Investment Show. We'll be right back after this break. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. I think uh, life has been made. Homer Simpson is officially in the YouTube chat room. <laughs> oh, I, I love donuts, too. It's all good. Life's good with a little bit of Homer in it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. And Lance, put down my donuts, man. Come on. <laughs> hey, so, you know, we talk a lot about financial planning. It is Financial Fitness Friday. And, you know, we hear about a lot of the the bad things we see within plans and, and maybe plans that aren't done, you know, with full integrity, let's say. And so... There's a lot of talk about beware of faux financial planning. And I think this is really important because we talk about loss leaders and you, you see these these commercials and these ads and, and even, you know, I myself who we do these daily in and out. And sometimes I look at them and think, man, that's yeah, that's great. Good job. And then you realize like what's behind it, which is typically a product. And that's where we need to be really cautious when we talk about planning. And, you know, I think planning as a profession we need to see some changes overall as far as what that looks like, what that means. John, you're a certified financial planner as well, so I know this is near and dear to your heart as well. It is. And, you know, I think that, you know, what are some of the things that, that you see that probably on the surface look really good, but inside just drive you nuts? Well, it, it, I'll have to be careful here with my, with my, with my rant. But uh, okay. what I would say is, you know, I, you know I, I think, Danny, I think you would agree, Rich, Lance, everybody. You know, financial planning is a very important part of your overall investment plan, a part of your just your approach in general. You need to have an idea about where you want to go, 
right? You just, you know, if you're going to put money in the market to invest, you know, what is your goal? What, what do you need this money to do? So a, a financial plan is like a roadmap, right? The only issue is, like, to Danny's point, in the financial planning industry is there are a lot of folks that you can go to to have a financial plan created, and maybe Brent goes to see this individual. Maybe I'm going to go and Danny's going to go. Well, the three of us all have our own unique, different situations and, and circumstances. But then what happens is we all end up being recommended the same exact product. Yeah. You know, what is that? So that, that's where you really have to be careful of, whereas you know, everybody, you have your own unique, specific situation, and your plan needs to be created accordingly. And the approach that you take or your, your investment roadmap or what your financial plan is needs to be for you specifically. It shouldn't be just some homogenous, you know, you know, end all be all, everybody's going to get the same product. So I think Danny, I tend to see that a lot. And that, that kind of chaffs me a little bit there. Well, so a lot of times I, th I think what you're referencing, when you see something like that, it's usually a one trick pony and, and right. don't take offense guys. If you're out there that you have one product to sell. And unfortunately, you know, that's the place you're in. And there's a lot of really good people who Absolutely. are in those, those roles. However, it's extremely difficult from a fiduciary lens to, to act and to see that because if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. And it doesn't matter if you're 60, you're 40, you're 25, you're historically going to be offered the exact same thing because, and, and hey, here's the reason why you need this. Here's why you need this. Well, and maybe we can make an argument. And, you know, we did yesterday, um, if you guys didn't get a, check, a chance to see it, we did a uh, lunch and learn or webinar on bonds. And so, Brent, I think that's going to be out here shortly. Next week. Next week. Yeah. Perfect. So if you haven't seen that, go to go to the YouTube channel, The Real Investment Show, next week. You can check that out. But we talked a little bit about that yesterday, that there's a lot of products out there that are actually good, that have a re really bad reputation or bad name. However, it's just because they've been missold or misused. I think a lot of these things, when used in the right environment, can be really good. And now they're not for everybody. And I think that's one of the bigger things that we need to be cautious of. And so... When a lot of these big places do these, these quote unquote, so-called financial plans, they may not actually be a true plan that's necessarily designed to, to give you that roadmap. And what they may be is it may be a roadmap to that solution, but there's only one solution. And that's with the product that they have. And so be careful with who's behind that, what they're doing. It may be that mutual fund. It may be that insurance product. And so... That's where I think we need to really be extremely cautious when we're doing these types of plans and understand what you get. I mean, preferably, I think you need to work with a certified financial planner. It needs to be a fiduciary, somebody who's truly going to have your best interest at heart and not somebody who's going to be uh, paid based on the products that you buy, meaning, OK, hey, let's go buy you a variable annuity. Let's go buy you a, a mutual fund that has a sales charge. Um, you know, we see these things all the time and how they're misused. And, and it's so frustrating because you know, like I mentioned, a lot of these products are really good, but they've been given such a bad name because they're just not used properly. And, you know, another thing I think that we see a lot is a review of investment holdings. And so, John, I know you get you get asked questions frequently or somebody says, hey, take a look at my portfolio. And, you know, what are some of the common themes that you see with that? Well, I, I see a, a common theme that I see a lot, Danny, is that folks that that we review these that I review these holdings for maybe that you review these holdings for rich or you know a lot of times folks they don't necessarily understand what these investments are designed to do or how they work so you, you mentioned a mutual fund for example sometimes folks have money in several different mutual funds and they don't necessarily understand 
what is within those mutual funds themselves, or what are those mutual funds actually designed to do, or how are they invested? And you know, this mutual fund, after the symbol, has a letter A behind it, or a letter B behind it. And what what do those mean? And and that doesn't mean that, and, uh, and that what I'm referring to is an A share versus a B share. That doesn't necessarily mean that an A share is any better than a B share. It's not a, it's not a rating system. It's just the way you purchase it's, it's it. It's the way you purchase it. It's how the commissions are paid for that. And so, so I think when we're reviewing investments, you know, a lot of times folks don't, maybe they don't necessarily understand what they own. It was, well, John, you know, I, I don't understand what the, I was just, you know, unfortunately, and they're very, they're very transparent with me, which I really appreciate. It's, you know what, Danny, I don't understand. You, what this investment is or what it's designed to do. It's like, well, okay, let's spend some time and really look through it. And maybe the investments that they have are, are actually appropriate for them. And maybe it's the right portfolio, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. I mean, I see that quite frequently. And you know, when you're looking, you're talking about the A, B and C shares. I didn't even know B shares were still around. Right. It's uh, it, those were kind of a dying dinosaur there in some ways that, you know, A and C. But another thing I see, John, is that I can see somebody who's fairly young put in a C share. And a C share is historically made for a short-term investment. But what we see a lot of times with a, a broker is instead of saying, hey, pay this sales, sales charge up front, you're just going to stay in the C share. But what most people don't understand is that, that cost sometimes can be double what the cost is of an A share from an expense ratio standpoint or significantly more. And so it starts to eat into the overall um, you know, performance of your fund. And what happens is you actually pay a whole lot more over longer periods of time. You just don't pay that upfront sales charge. And as long as you don't get out of it within one year or get out of that fund family, then you're, you're typically in trouble. The other thing we see is that, you know, it's, it's uh, all one fund family. Right. You know, and I think there's a lot of funds that are really good. Now, we typically don't deal with mutual funds here. Uh, we may on occasion hold one. It's been several years since we have. But historically, we don't want to do that. We're professional money managers. We don't want to go buy a mutual fund and really, you know, it, increase our clients' fees. And so we historically like, you know, individual bonds, individual stocks, ETFs. Uh, we will buy some funds, like I said, but it has been it has been quite some time. And we're going to really have to articulate a very good reason of why we would do that. And it's typically going to be more niche oriented. But we see a lot of times just one fund family. And while one fund family may have a really good name, they may not be the best at everything. They may be really good at equities or fixed income or international. But yet we purchase them, or I say we, I just mean the community in whole, um, because it's an easier sell or there may be price breaks or discounts associated with that. But what I also find is that there's a lot of overlap sometimes within these mutual funds that people aren't aware of. I mean, they may hold the exact same thing. Well, they do. So you have maybe a, you have a you know, ABC growth fund, maybe an ABC growth and income fund, and then there's maybe an ABC value fund. And all of a sudden you look, even if one is a growth fund and the other one is a value fund, you know, chances are they kind of own the same top holdings, kind of the big names that we're all familiar with. But two, there are times where, where, where I, I visit with folks, Danny, and they'll say, you know what, John, I looked, I have this mutual fund here in my portfolio, and I thought this was a more conservative fund, or at least I was, it was explained to me that this fund was supposed to be conservative. And this year, it's, it's just bleeding. I'm just losing money left and right in this, and I really don't understand why, because even in the name of the fund, it says conservative. And I said, well, let's take a look at the internal holdings. And just recently, I looked at a fund where in the name of the fund, it actually had you know, ABC, quote unquote, conservative fund. It, it was more of a 60-40, 60% stock, 40% bond type of split, like a moderate allocation, 60-40. Mm -hmm. But of the 40% that was allocated to bonds, 33% of those bonds were high yield or junk bonds. Wow. And so, and in times of market stress, 
those junk bonds or high yield bonds can act very much like equities. So the client didn't, well, the, I've got bonds in there. It's got to be a conservative fund. And the name of the fund said conservative. But when we opened the hood and really looked at the internal working components, you know, we found out, Danny, that that fund was a lot more aggressive than what the investor originally thought. It was just that nobody had ever really taken the time to explain it to them. So you, you just have to kind of peel the layers back a little bit sometimes and really dive into it and just... And, I, and we hear Lance talking about this all the time, is just kind of knowing what you own. And if you're not familiar with what your investments are or how you're positioned, it's okay to ask. And if you ask a question, if you don't get the answer you're looking for, or if the answer doesn't make sense, ask again. It's your money. You have the right to know how you're invested. So I, I see that a lot too, Danny. No, I, you know, and I think that's a great thing to ask and, and ask again because I hear so many times, well, you wouldn't understand or it's complicated. Well, if, it's, if somebody's telling you that's because they probably likely don't understand. So I think, you know, like you said, this is your money. You need to understand what's going on. You know, you need to make sure that you're working with somebody that's going to, going to communicate and say, hey, here's what we're in. Here's why. Here's what's going on. And yes, there's going to be, it's going to ebb and flow. We're going to see markets that are going to perform well. We're going to have sometimes that even non-correlated assets are correlated and there's going to be a reason for still holding some of these positions. And I think that's important. Now, another thing you and I've talked about that we've seen here recently is just seems like there's been a swath of uh, proprietary products and, and even mutual funds that one particular fund can hold or uh, excuse me, uh, firm can hold, but you can't take anywhere else. So if you get disillusioned or you don't like it, or you say, you know what, I've been in this and they've never made a trade in the last several years but you still have, I mean, markets have been good and you're still probably holding on to quite a bit of gains, especially in equities. And now you can't move because if you do, you have to pay a pretty pretty hefty tax bill. Yeah. I know you're seeing some of that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you're, you're, you're kind of locked in. You're kind of frozen. Your, your, your options are limited there. So uh, and I can maybe after the break, I can you know go into a more specific example of a very recent situation that I just encountered with that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So we're going to get to that and more here. We get right back. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a para group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. It's The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. We talked about last segment about both financial planning, things to be aware aware with, things that should maybe, you know, be a blinking yellow light to say, hey, 
take a step back, take a look, make sure that this is the best thing for you. And so one of the things we discussed was, you know, talking about how you review investment holdings. And this is one thing that I think is always difficult because look, anybody can tear apart any investment portfolio. I mean, if, if you have any working knowledge, you should be able to go in and say, you know, go in and, and say, this is why I wouldn't do this, this and this, I would do this, but be cautious what they would recommend on the backside of that as well. Because I think that's where a, a lot of this gets very muddy as far as the waters. Now, John, you were going to share a, an instance that you just experienced with yeah. somebody. Yeah, and there are a lot of times too, Danny, when when I look at portfolio holdings, I know you do this, and, and, and Rich, both of you do this on a regular basis, where when we look at their holdings, if we really like them, if we think they already have a great portfolio in place, we tell them. You know, if, the, if they don't need to make a change, then don't. It might be working very well. Um, but most recently here, there's a, there's a, a you know, client we're working with where, you know, here's the situation where their investments are at the same custodian, who I will not name, very large, well-known custodian, and they have accounts kind of being managed by the custodian currently, and we're going to be helping them with, with a portion of their overall investment approach as well. And we want to move some of these investments that are being managed by that custodian in this account to another account with the same custodian. And some of these investments that we want to move are proprietary mutual funds that are managed by that custodian. And they will not allow us to move those shares from the account they're managing over to the account that we want to assist them with. They are going to force the client to sell those mutual funds, even though we should just be able to journal them over and hold them here. So what they're going to force the client to do, Danny, is potentially just go ahead and just realize some gains right out of the gate. And just very little, no flexibility at all. And, and, and it, it, it's just a shame that, you know, and the client even said, you know, I didn't realize I was so locked into this and that this was so unflexible, this wasn't explained to me in the beginning of the relationship. So we, we do see things like that from time to time. It should be very straightforward. We should just be able to move these shares from this account with the same custodian over to this account with the same custodian. I could see if we were maybe bringing funds in from a different custodian, maybe the, the custodian we're working with wouldn't accept those, but this is all at the same place. It's just, I don't know, it was just mind boggling to me about how unflexible that was. It just yeah. wasn't right for the client. No, and that is one thing that you have to be aware of. I think that happens more often than you know we'd like to admit that a lot of these places do have these proprietary funds that can only be held there versus making that move. And so it really limits as far as what you can can do to transition. And you know the tax bill on that can be enormous, especially if you've just held forever. Right. And, and that's one of the problems I think that people see. And so everybody wants to avoid taxes. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. You know, we you know another part of what we do from a financial planning perspective is try to mitigate taxes and, and try to do some tax planning. Now we always, you know, we, we defer to the CPA, but you know, we, we want to look, be a little bit more forward looking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk a lot about CPAs and, and, you know, what happens within a financial plan. Unfortunately, many CPAs, we judge them basically on what did you do for me today? What does that look like? How much money did you save me? So if you walk next door to another CPA and they're going to say, well, I could have saved you $5,000 more. You're going to say, wow, okay, that's great. But the key is, it's not always about how much you save today, it's how much you save over your lifetime. And so from a financial planning perspective, we want to look at it a little bit differently and understand, okay, where do we think taxes are? Where do you think income's going? What type of, do you have any deferred income? Do you have um, other things that are coming to fruition over the next several years? We want to take all those things into account and then say, okay, here's the strategy that we would utilize in this current environment. And guess what? That strategy may change 
as legislation changes, as maybe tax code sunset, as this one will in 2026. Uh, these are all things that we want to keep top of mind. So be careful when you're, you're going in. And sometimes we hear from a financial planning perspective, well, no, 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 we're going to save as much money as we can right now. It's like, John, I mean, how many stories do you know of uh, people retiring and every dollar that they have is in these pre-tax accounts and they don't have that flexibility later on? And, yeah. and, and I think that's a problem. We're going to talk a little bit about that as far as maybe when would you do a Roth conversion as well. Another part of this would be insurance planning. And I think insurance is really important. Uh, we do have an insurance arm, RIA insurance. And, you know, I think this is something that, you know, we look at frequently. And it's not just about, okay, do you have, you know, what's your coverage look like? You know, a lot of people just associate that with, with life insurance, disability, uh, long-term care, all things that we do. But also the other aspect of that is what's your property casualty look like? Do you have flood insurance? What are your, um, you know, what are your deductibles? What are your limits? I think all of those things are really important. And pr the problem that we see a lot of times is that many times it, it doesn't matter what they look at. They're going to they're gonna send you some proposal and say, hey, this is better. So Chris Liebham works here with us. He does a really good job of, of actually going into this and saying, and in fact, yesterday he responded to somebody uh, I work with and said, you know what? Your coverage is actually really good. And, you know, here's the other routes I'd potentially look at if you're going to, but it's going to be tough to beat what you have. And I would go back and check your limits, you know, actually your coverage. You may have too much on, on this area. You know, look at your replacement value of your, of your house. Um, these are things that we see frequently where this is stuff that's oversold. I mean, we talk about it a lot, like long-term care. Somebody will say, what's well, going to cost you $7,000 a month to be in a full nursing, nursing home and for full care? So we're going to get you long-term care. It's going to cover all of it. Well, hold on now. Yeah. We need to back into those. I mean, numbers. I need a policy that's $300,000, Danny? Yeah, exactly. What? Well, yeah, so the, the key is you need to say, okay, what, what does Social Security look like? What does pension income look like? What does other income? What does other assets look like? And the same thing goes with any type of insurance. And so this is really important. And also, I think working with somebody who's independent is an important aspect of this as well. But, you know, when we talk about retirement planning, John, you know, when we talk about doing a comprehensive plan, it's so much more than just the numbers. And, you know, what we find is most people know their numbers. You know, you know the quantitative stuff. It's the qualitative stuff that I think that is tough for many people to understand or grasp. Okay, what am I actually going to do in retirement? Mm -hmm. What's going to give me purpose? What's going to keep me social? Uh, what, am, what are the hobbies I'm going to pick back up or maybe start? And, you know, I think we fail as an industry to, to really get in the weeds of that because that's not what most people are concerned with. They're concerned with the numbers. But the issue is those are all tied to the numbers. It is. I think... Look, we, we all want to be successful in what we do, and that's, that's just a common message that we hear from, from everybody that we, that we visit with. But it's, it's one thing, what, what, what folks are looking for, Danny, is that how do they go from being successful to living a life of significance, right? And, and what does that transition look like? And so when, when you start talking about that retirement aspect of things, and, and retirement, you're right, it, it means so many different things to different people. You know, sometimes it's when I ask somebody, hey, well, what does retirement mean to you? Or not even necessarily retirement, but what does this next chapter of your life really look like? Because a lot of folks now, they, they, they say, you know what? I'm in my early, mid-60s. Hey, I, I feel better now than I ever have before. In no way do I want to stop working. I really like what I do. I want to be active. And you, you mentioned value. You know, they, want to add, they want to keep adding value to, to society. They, they want to have that, that sense of, of, of purpose. And so, uh, so that I think, to your point, it's you know, what is that going to look like? I've been working with this with this employer for the last 20, 30, maybe 35, 40 years. 
and now I'm going to transition into the into the unknown and just is there a is there a roadmap or is there a point by point step by step guide that's going to help me transition to you know, am I going to work part time? Am I going to consult? You know, maybe I'm going to do some volunteer work. You know, sometimes it just kind of happens organically. It happens a little bit naturally. You know, it's rare these days, Danny, where I see somebody and they just say, "You know what, John? That's it. I'm retiring at this age, and I'm done. I'm out." Because usually, within about six to eight months, I get a phone call: "John, I'm bored. I've I've already organized all my closet three times. I've cleaned out the garage four times. I've done all of my landscaping, and I just don't know what to do. I think I'm going to go back to work." Or I'm going to do something part-time or I'm going to go consult. And I'm like, you know what, Danny, go do it. And so it, it does. It means it's something different for everybody. It, it is. And, you know, unfortunately, we talk about this where you don't get that practice run typically with retirement. You know, everything we do, we practice, we, we work our way towards that goal. But you're expected to just flip a switch and become an, a distributor where you've been an accumulator. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And, you know, I think that people are seeing right now, especially in this environment, I'm getting those same calls. Hey, I'm going back. I'm going to do contract work for the next six months, maybe a year. Or I miss doing what I was doing. I miss my friends. Um, I miss the office environment. And we see, see and hear that quite a bit. And I think that that may be a new trend that mm-hmm. we, we continue to see. And that'll be interesting, you know, talking about the jobs data. You know, that's going to come out here in just a bit. What that's going to look like overall. And, you know, how do these numbers actually play into that? But... We, so we talked a lot about, you know, the faux financial planning, the different things to be aware of and things that you should be looking for. And, you know, keep in mind, we're talking about real big generalities here. We're not going into specific details because everybody's need is different. Each one of these products are designed to do different things. And really, we're just talking about the, the things that you should be watching for. But, you know, you mentioned something earlier to me. And, you know, we're talking about jobs and people working and retirement. Right now, employers are actually ramping up their retirement plans. They are. Yeah, there's a gentleman I just spoke with about two weeks ago. He owns his own business, and he's got about, I don't know, maybe 35 to 40 employees. And uh, he really values his employees, and he wants to put a retirement plan in place so that he can give back to them. He said, I want to be able to provide a blessing to my employees. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there are times where we, when, 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 a small, uh, when, uh, when a small business owner puts a, re, a certain type of retirement plan in place, you know, it can help the business owner too, shelter and, and you know, put more money aside on a, on a tax-deferred basis. But in this particular instance, it wasn't about that at all. It was, I just want to put a plan in place where my employees can put some money off to the side for their future well-being because I really value the employees that I have. They have a lot of tenure with me. And I want to put something into place. And so we're helping them structure a 401k plan for their business. So I'm starting to see more of that. Yeah. And so we're seeing a lot of 401k plans, profit sharing plans, um, you know, defined benefit and pension plans. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big thing that people are actually bringing back in some ways as ways to accelerate additional funding, things that you can do. And, you know, there's actually some employer stats I want to get to when we get back on the other side of this break. So we'll talk about that. We're going to get to that. Is now a good time to do a Roth conversion? And we're going to get to a handful of estate planning tips. When we do a financial plan, what's one of the first things you would do? We're going to talk right about talk about that on the other side of this break. You'll listen to The Real Investment Show. Danny Ratliff, John Penn. We'll be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And now, 
Another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Manage risk and volatility rather than trying to manage gains. You don't have to be right all the time. Long-term investing success is a 70% gain. Let us help you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors. 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to The Real Investment Show. I'm Danny Ratliff here with John Penn. If you think you have it bad, remember there's always somebody or always something. Could always be just a tad bit worse. So we talk about inflation here. And new data just came out from Turkey saying that Turkey had inflation of 73%. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Talk about hit, getting hit in the pocketbook. Ooh. So I drove by a uh, gas station this morning. <laughs> Kept going, thinking I need to fill up, but I'll have to do it later. I can make it. 429. 429. Gasoline has gone up <clears throat> over 20 cents a gallon this week. Yeah. And so, it was like a dime a gallon in two days. So I, I'm at that point. So just full and fair disclosure, um, I, I'm always looking for deals on gas, right? And yep. so, just most recently, we're, I, we usually shop it. I don't. Uh, we usually shop at the local local Kroger there in our neighborhood, and we use our Kroger card. Get the and if my wife goes, I'm like, use the Kroger card. And our girls are home from school. I'm like, use the Kroger card. So I went there recently, and I filled up with gas, and I had a seventy cent per gallon. Wow, discount, sweet. And I was like, well, wait a minute. What are we spending on groceries well, for me to get that? That's the other indicator uh, right there. But it said, you know, I had a 70 cent per gallon, and they said, how much of this do you want to use? And I said, I'm on all of it. And so I went home, and I told my wife, I told Sean, I was like, guess what? This is, this is what gets me excited in the Penn household is, you know, what am I paying for gas? Absolutely. And I went home, and I said, guess what? I got a 70 cent discount on the gas. She said, wait a minute. I was going to use that. <laughs> I said, well, I beat you to it. <laughs> You know, I think you see people, maybe they, they start lining their cars up where, hold on, okay, you pull through, pull the other one up. Um, what are you guys paying out there for gas? Love to know. Let us know in the chat box of YouTube, uh, The Real Investment Show. Uh, always interesting to hear what people are paying across the country, across the world. I think last time we were hear, hearing from people from Germany, Belgium, um, you know, all across the states. Pretty, pretty interesting to see it in real time. Um, so we were talking about, retirement and then retirement plans. We're seeing more and more employers offering plans and really it's a way to attract and attain business. We're seeing that smaller businesses, especially looking at wage growth, it's becoming more costly to employ people, but they're now having to incentivize them in other ways as well. And a lot of times that's with that retirement package and principal just came out with a study and it was pretty interesting because they actually, they, they interviewed or surveyed employees and employers and a lot of the employers weren't really confident in their employees' retirement, which I think is pretty concerning. And we've talked about these numbers and, and the confidence or lack thereof in general. But, John, share a couple of these numbers with us. Yeah, so um, you know, everybody kind of has a different uh, you know, sense as far as when, when they might be able to retire. And um, you know, a, lot of the, you know, a lot of the folks that were interviewed, it was found that, you know, little over a third or more, a little over 33% or more 
they have they have no plan or, or they don't know how to plan for retirement or how to start that process as far as you know here's where I am today you know and where do I want to go and just you know how do I need to structure my assets how do I need to position a portfolio or what you know what is some sort of a retirement planning strategy that's going to help carry me to this next chapter of my life or carry me through that next chapter of my life and which was a pretty big number I thought and so um, so now we're finding that employer employers you want to do more to help educate their employees about you know different ways that they can plan and and really look at setting up more of a retirement oriented portfolio that will support their goals and objectives moving forward yeah, and so, you know, what we talk about with employers looking at some of the data, 39% of plan sponsors feel employees are doing a good job preparing for mm-hmm. retirement. 15% think that their employees have saved enough to live comfortably in retirement. And 33% of plan sponsors feel their former employees who retired have the knowledge to retire. So right. these are rather alarming numbers when you think about what type of education they're getting. And that's one thing that we typically see is that the education surrounding some of this just isn't what it should be. And I think that needs to evolve over time. That's one thing that we've strived to do is to make sure that people understand what they have, what the options are. And, you know, when you look at the overall big picture from a plan, you know, we see, you know, like uh, what are those big firms? We were just talking about commercials and, and things earlier. Like, what's your number? Everybody has to have this magic number. And, you know, that's one of the most common questions I get. Well, how much do I need to retire? I tell people all the time. I've told people with 500000 that they can. I've told people five, 10, 15 million that they can't. Right. And it's all about what your what your expectations are. What are your goals? What are you looking to do? And I think that's a big part of it. And that's why a really comprehensive holistic financial plan is so important. But you know, we talk about the financial plan quite a bit. Obviously, that's what we do. But what are some of the things and, and one thing I think that you see, and, and I tell people frequently, look, you need to address this before we even do this plan. That's somebody typically. That's estate planning. It is estate planning, <clears throat> and, and just to be clear, you know, Danny and myself, we are we are not estate planning attorneys. You know, we are we do not prepare wills. We do not prepare the actual trust documents or durable powers of attorney or so on. We are not attorneys at all. Right. So uh, great disclosure voice there, Danny. But but you know, I think as investors, all of us, right, we all are are doing the best that we can to to save money for the future and to be good stewards of our capital, right. And we're all concerned about, about managing risk, especially when it comes to stocks and bonds and mutual funds and exchange-traded funds and asset allocation and all of those wonderful terms that you hear about out there in the financial services industry. But to Danny's point, there's a much larger overall area of risk that you know not everybody, but a lot of folks really need to focus on. And that is, you know, how are you protecting your loved ones from a risk management standpoint, heaven forbid, if something happens to you, you know, have you done, do you have a will or are you in a state or are, do you live in a state where maybe a trust is more appropriate because maybe the cost of probate is so high, it makes more sense to use a trust. Like in California, for example, the cost of probate a will in California is huge. Now in Texas, the cost of probate a will here is much more reasonable. So we see, you know, if I'm visiting with somebody out in California or talking with them about their situation, if they have an estate plan in place, they typically have a trust. But now, going back a little bit, if you take the time to visit with an estate planning attorney, and let's say they prepare a trust and they put all these documents into place, well, then the next step for you is you actually have to title your assets in the name of the trust. 
you may have the trust document over here, but if you don't place your home in the name of the trust, or let's say you have regular brokerage accounts, if you don't retitle those in the name of the trust, everything that you did to put all that paperwork together hasn't gone into effect. So you, you have to really look at this and pull it all together. So not only you know, wills, you know, trusts, but also things like powers of attorney, just, you know, heaven, and there are different types of powers of attorney, just from a high level, you have limited power of attorney, you have full power of attorney, then there's something out there called a durable power of attorney. And every power of attorney has different powers that you give to somebody or an entity to, to, to assist you with things. But, you know, like with a durable power of attorney, for example, heaven forbid, if I become, if I'm in an accident, and I'm still alive, but I'm unable to make a decision financially. My wife is my durable power of attorney. That durable in that power of attorney survives my incapacitation. She can still act on my behalf. If she doesn't have a durable power of attorney, maybe, maybe she has a full power of attorney or a limited power of attorney, no dice. So you really need to pay attention to these, to these various documents. You hope you never need to use them. You just hope you never need to use them but at least they're there in that if you do need to use it, it'll hopefully make a stressful situation a lot less stressful. And it's just a way, you know, that's really where you can start from an estate planning standpoint. What is, how are you managing the risk for yourself and your family overall? And once you have that address, then you're really focusing on the portfolio. Because Danny, I don't know how many times we visit with folks and I'll ask them, okay, so here's your portfolio. You know, when's the last time you checked your IRA beneficiaries? You may have three or four different IRAs at the same at the same financial firm, and if only one of those IRAs has beneficiary designations designations listed on them, maybe the other three don't. What you have on this account doesn't automatically carry over to IRA two, three, and four. Each IRA needs to have its own designated set of beneficiaries on there. So just take some time to review that. Just dot your eyes and Christ uh, and uh, cross your T's to make sure you have everything in order. But so many times I'll visit with folks and I'll say, hey, you know, Danny, do you have an estate plan in place? And they'll say, you know, John, I've been meaning to do that for the last 15 years. My wife and I started on that or my partner and I or my significant other and I started on that process about 15 years ago and we just haven't been able to get it done. And I'll say, you know what, it's 2022 this year, get it done and I'm going to stay after you on this to make sure that that action item gets completed. Yeah, and I think that's so important because we do visit with people frequently that don't do it. And usually what happens is they actually go through something with a loved one, they lose a loved one, and then they think, oh, my gosh, what a mess. I don't want to put my kids through this. I need to get it done now. And that's usually what lights a fire. And unfortunately, you know, that's that's a problem. Right. And, you know, we put these things off. We delay it because you're right. We are so concerned about the overall big picture that we forget about, okay, we're doing all this work to preserve, to protect, to grow funds. We're, we're doing, we're setting good behaviors. We're making good decisions, but yet we don't want to talk about our mortality. So we see this often with life insurance. We see this with, um, with estate planning. And so it may be the, the power of attorney. It may be, uh, you know, they also have springing power of attorneys, you right. know, where you have that event and then it triggers. Um, but a lot of times it's just a simple will. Mm -hmm. That's another big aspect. Um, I think that, you know, or when you do finally get it done, you don't implement it. Like you mentioned, you know, we see that all the time where documents are unsigned, things are not done properly. These are all bigger issues at hand. And so I would encourage anybody that has not reviewed or updated these things to go do so. I think this is a big, big piece of the puzzle. 
we don't want to lose or, or leave loved ones with a lot of work behind um you know make life easier especially in you know emotional trying times but hey guys thanks for joining us today i know we probably bored you to death with lots of financial planning information plan to do it again next friday uh, <laughs> appreciate y'all tuning in y'all have a great weekend we'll see you soon It's a rich man's world.